Amen. Well, the scripture reading for this morning is from Daniel 10, verses 1 to 12, and chapter 12, 1 to 13. We're concluding our series on Daniel. Today we're reading chapters, chapters 10 and 12. This is a reading of God's word. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true. And it was a great conflict, and he understood the word, and he had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them. They fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep, with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And while when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day you've set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God. Your words have been heard and have come before because of your words. Now we're reading chapter 12 to the very end, the book of Daniel. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and thou shalt be a time of trouble, such as never had been seen. There was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found and written in the book of life. And many of those who are asleep in the dust of death will awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on the bank of the stream. And someone said to the man who clothed who was clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be to the end of the, these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that will be for a time, times, and a half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy pe people come to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, 
but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from that time, that regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up. There shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Amen. This is a reading of God's word. Please join me in prayer. Father, we give you thanks this morning. We come to the end of this book of Daniel, and we come needing your wisdom. Uh, because we need to know the end as well. So I pray that, you, Lord, you give your servant wisdom, like Daniel has wisdom, illuminate, illumine these scriptures with your spirit. Uh, give the hearers a glimpse of hope that you've given to them through the reading, the preaching of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And well, we've been going through this a series of sermons of the book of Daniel. Uh, mostly, most through this pandemic, um, and today we reach the end of the the book of Daniel. We're looking at the final three chapters, and we're looking at all three chapters together because it's one final vision. And the last part of the book of Daniel is not just the end of Daniel, but it's a glimpse of the end of the world. Daniel, the end of Daniel is about not just the end of Daniel's life, but the end of all things. Today we're going to talk about endings. And, you know, sometimes when you watch, uh, endings are important. Sometimes when you watch a television series that you really love, you're really anxious about how it will end. How will all the plot lines resolve? What will happen to all the characters? This last year, a lot of people were talking about the finale of the Game of Thrones series. And a lot of people took to Twitter after it was done complaining. They, they thought it was a terrible ending. They, they didn't think it really resolved the way it should have resolved. You know, when you follow something you love, you want to give it a proper ending. Endings are important. Um, endings are precious things. That's why we have things like spoiler alerts. We don't want the ending to be spoiled. <clears throat> Sometimes my son, he... Uh, he watches the baseball game I want to watch before I do. I usually watch it recorded at the end of the day when all my work is done. The kids go to sleep. But sometimes my son, who had already seen the game, comes to me and say, Dad, you probably shouldn't watch the game today. You know, I, don't want, I won't tell you the score, but probably you might want to save your time. You know, and he's not spoiling the ending, but he's really spoiling the ending. He's not keeping that ending. It's not precious to him you know endings are important and you know endings can give you hope um shakespeare says all things are well that ends well you know if we have the ending this book was written the ending of the book was written to give hope to a hopeless people and daniel was given this vision of the end to encourage him to keep going to encourage him, to inspire him. This morning, God wants to show you a glimpse of the end to inspire you, to give you hope. If you're struggling, to give you encouragement. So this morning, we're going to look at the idea of the end of not just Daniel, but the end of all things. We're going to look at three things about the end. One, how we all long for the end. Two, a vision of the end. And finally, 
uh, living for the end, how we practically work that out. Uh, the first thing is this longing for the end. Today we're looking at the last three chapters of Daniel. The last three chapters of Daniel is one piece, it's one vision. And and we're looking at, we talked about in the past how the beginning of every chapter comes with a timestamp and it places whatever is transpiring. Sometimes in Daniel, it skips from beginning to, to times in the future, to the present, to the past. What about this last last section of Daniel? Let's look at chapter 10, verse 1. It says, In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar, and the word was true. It was a great conflict. And he understood the word and, and, and had an understanding of the vision. Final chapter of Daniel happens. Third year of the reign of King Cyrus. Now, King Cyrus was a pivotal figure. We He appears right at the very beginning of chapter 1. King Cyrus was the king that toppled the Babylonian Empire. He was a pivotal figure because he was the one who gave the authorization for God's people to return to Jerusalem, back home. He gave the orders. You can go back home. You're free. This happens on at the third year after that. And the book of Ezra, the a very contemporary prophet, chronicles what happens right afterwards. God's people, they are ecstatic. They're allowed to go back home. But when they get back home, especially specifically to Jerusalem, they realize that the thing they, ha- they have been waiting for to get back home, it disappoints them because they realize their city is in ruins. The sanctuary has been desecrated. They go back to the houses, and their houses have been toppled and broken. Everything is in disarray. When God's people arrive, a lot of them had just simply forgotten God's law and who God was. It was a complete devastating experience. That's why when Daniel, in this chapter, he experiences that in this third year, he's broken up. He's broken up. Uh, think about all the anticipation of Daniel up to before this time. He had been in exile for 70 years, almost his entire life. He was in Babylon. Experienced all kinds of hardships, persecutions, and turmoils. And all he wanted to do was get back home. Get back home. Get, to, get back to Jerusalem. He was anticipating it. But when he got there... The hopes of the people had been dashed. They realized all the desecration and brokenness and all the rebuilding that they would have to do. God's people were discouraged. That's why it says in Daniel verses 2 and 3, In these days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Daniel's broken up over the state of his people. He mourns for an extended period of time. So it says three weeks he fasts. And that takes us back to chapter 1, where when Daniel first enters Babylon, he fasts. And as his people enter back into Jerusalem, he's again fasting. They had understandably been waiting for this moment to go back home. They, re- they waited 70 years for it. But when they got home, they realized it wasn't what they had thought it would be. Have you guys ever had experiences like that? 
where you waited for something. You believe that, man, if I just had uh, this job, this promotion at this job, man, my life will be set. You might be single and you might be dating. You think, man, if I just marry this person, perfect for me, I'd just be joyful and happy and I'll just have gratitude the rest of my life. My life will be set up. And maybe you marry that person and have that job and maybe it even turns out to be a good job and you have a good marriage, but you're disappointed. There's conflicts. That job turns out to be very difficult. There's problems in your marriage. Your expectations are not met. Your hopes are dashed. And it's easy at that moment to become cynical about life, bitter, angry. We look at the state of the world today, and it's easy to become hopeless, to feel jaded, and that nothing will ever change. All the injustice, all the racism, all the division, all the political turmoil. And it's easy to become cynical about life, about people, about the future. That's why God gives Daniel this vision. Because he doesn't want Daniel to lose hope. He wants to give him a glimpse of the ending. Hirokai Murakami, he's a brilliant Japanese author. He wrote a novel called 1Q84, which is, the title is an homage to Orson Welles, uh, the Orwell classic, rather, uh, 1984. In it, he says, everyone deep in their hearts is waiting for the end of the world to come. Murakami says, everyone deep in their hearts, regardless of who you are, are deeply waiting for the end. We want their Things are so messed up, we're waiting for the end, a resolution, some kind of ending to the struggle. Sometimes when I'm reading a very long novel or book, I skip to the end to see how many pages I have left. Do you ever do that? Because you you're like, man, this is so long. How many pages left? I can't wait till the end. And you know, that's what God gives Daniel. He gives us whenever we're struggling. He wants to give us a glimpse of the end, to give us hope, to lift us up, to inspire us. We all need to know the end. So the second point is this. Well, what is the end? Daniel, in this very difficult place, needs this vision of the end, and God gives it to him. You know, this is the thing about Daniel that we see constantly. Whenever God, Daniel cries out to God or prays, or mourns, or fasts, God's always answering Daniel. God's always on time. It took God three weeks uh, through his fasting, but God finally answers Daniel. He always shows up. And he gives Daniel, uh, he shows up in the form of a person. It says in verse 4, Daniel standing at a great, the great river, the Tigris River, and a man clothed in linen, with a gold buckle Prada belt, rose up on Daniel. It's an interesting figure. He's a man, but he's not like a man. He's a man, but he's a very superhuman-like man. Because look at what he looks like. It says that he, his body's made of barrel. That's a precious mineral. His face is like lightning. His eyes are like torches of fire. And when he speaks, it's like... The sound of multitudes. This is not an ordinary man. And Daniel is so struck by this man that his knees buckle, his teeth chatter, 
and he falls to the ground like he's dead. He's overcome by the presence of this man. And this man says to him something amazing. He says, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. This man says, Daniel, man, you are so loved by God, a man greatly loved by God. You know, the reason Daniel is given this vision, because God loves him. You know, God wants to give hope to people who are very broken up because he loves us. This is what he says to Daniel in verse 12. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words have been heard and have come because of your words. One of the greatest virtues of Daniel was his humility. It says that he humbled himself. He says, Daniel, I, I chose you because you're humble. And that's why I'm giving you this vision. You know, before you receive a vision from God, you first have to humble yourself. You, you might have your own plans for your life, your vision, a one, three, five, ten-year plan for your life. You might have your my, life all mapped out. But where is God in that? Are you allowing God to give you a vision? For your life. You know, Daniel didn't have a vision for his own life. He didn't have actually any visions of his own. He humbled himself and he waited for God to speak. He waited for God's vision to come to him. Before we receive a vision, we need to humble ourselves and we need to listen to God and receive this vision like a child. Daniel says, God, I'm, I'm here for you, I'm here to receive. What you have to say. In verse 14, God gives Daniel a vision for the days yet to come. Daniel is given a vision not just for his immediate future, but this repeated phrase occurs throughout this, days yet to come, or the end of days. That's another way to translate that. This is a vision for the end. In chapter 11, which I didn't read, it lays out this grand history. It goes through all the kings that are to come, the Persian and Greek kingdoms that will rise and fall. Different leaders, kings, rulers, they are going to rise and fall. But behind that, uh, what we see in this vision, especially in chapter 11, is this idea. We do see kings and nations and geopolitics. But what it does is it takes us behind the scenes. It takes us behind the scenes that behind all of the, the physical conflict and wars is a spiritual battle behind it all. In fact, every nation and kingdom has a spiritual force behind it. And we, what we see behind the scenes is that there is a cosmic spiritual battle being waged. Every nation has a spiritual force. And when these spiritual forces clash... Those physical nations and armies also clash. In chapter 11, there's a key figure who arises. He consolidates power. He overcomes and triumphs over other, every earthly power. In verse 34 and 35 of chapter 11, this, uh, this man, this ruler, he deceives people. Even God's people are deceived by him. He grows in stature to the point where he claims himself to be God. 
Verse 38, it says that this mighty king, though, will come to an end with nobody to help him. As we've seen before uh, throughout this apocalyptic literature, that ruler, that final ruler, is the Antichrist. In Matthew 24, Jesus makes reference to this repeated phrase, the abomination of desolation. That repeat that phrase is repeated throughout Daniel's apocalyptic writings to an intense period of trauma and suffering after the rise of the Antichrist. And Jesus himself, Matthew 24, makes reference to that time. He says there will be an intense time of suffering and hardship, but there will be a day of reckoning. Just as uh, Daniel uh, prophesies, this Antichrist will come to end. Jesus Christ will eventually trample and crush the head of the serpent. He will overcome all of our greatest enemies once and for all. And that's when the, the good news breaks in. Daniel chapter 12 breaks in with this good news after all of that is done. Verse 1, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who was in charge of your people. There shall be a time of trouble such as never had been seen. There was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book of life. In this last chapter, the end is revealed that There will be a time of great pain. There will be suffering. The Bible always says consistently all God's people will experience suffering and pain. But it says there will be a great deliverance. It says says that God will deliver everyone whose name is written in the book. That's a repeated idea in the Bible. You know, in every ancient city uh, in the Near East that there was a book that recorded the names of every citizen in that city. That's why the census was so important, because you updated that book. That name, that book recorded everybody in that city, in that place. The Bible says that there is a heavenly census, a book that details everyone who belongs to God. Jesus in Luke 10, 20 says that, you know, the greatest thing you should ever rejoice in is that your name is written in that book of life. That should be your greatest joy. God will deliver all of his people, all who have faith in him, all who trust him. One day, the fulfillment of Daniel is that you will be delivered as well. That is a great hope. But then Daniel gives us even better news in verses 2 to 4. And many of those who sleep in the dust of earth shall awake some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. This is a section of Daniel. This is the last chapter, which is the clearest place in all the old testament talks about a resurrection clear as day it talks about the idea of a resurrection and daniel says that when that end comes uh god will deliver his people and those who are dead they're gonna they're gonna arise uh those who the literal words are those who sleep in the dust of the earth 
will awaken to everlasting life. In the Bible, death is often used as a metaphor, or sleep is often used as a metaphor for death. Why? You know, when you're sleeping, you have your eyes closed, you're, you're laying down, you're not moving. It looks like you're dead. A sleeping person looks like a dead person from a distance, but they arise, they awake up, especially when the sun shines. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that one day if you're in Christ, it's like you are asleep, you, you will die, but like a, a person who is awakened from a sleep, you're going to wake up to a new life. And you're going to shine as bright as the sun. And that is the promise of God. Jesus talks about that idea as well. That one day we will arise in him. And on the and it says in Matthew 14, one day, he says, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Jesus says, one day you will wake up from death. And you are going to be as bright as the sun in the kingdom of your father. Uh, death is a temporary stop. Death will give way to light, life. The darkness will break. The light will descend upon us. But there's a flip side to that as well. In verse 2 it says, everyone will resurrect, some to that life and some to death and contempt. God says that he will also judge evil, wickedness. Those who are very far from him and run from him. God will one day judge all evil and injustice. You know, we live in a time now where we're seeking justice. And we should seek it, but all justice on this earth will inevitably be incomplete. But there will be, that's why there will be a day of reckoning. God was going to right eventually every wrong, every injustice, all evil. How do we get there? Well, ultimately, what we've been saying all along is all of these prophecies uh, are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Ultimately, they are fulfilled in him. Uh, we talked about this extraordinary figure in, in Daniel chapter 10, clothed in linen, uh, eyes of flame of fire. Who is that guy? He's so nebulous and so interesting. Who is he? And we get the answer finally in the final book of the Bible, Revelation. Revelation is the book about end times. This is what we read in Revelation 1, verse 13. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair of his head was white like wool, like snow. And guess what? His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. Who is this extraordinary person? Well, Revelation 1, Jesus is walking amongst the churches, which he calls lampstands. And this is a description of Jesus. His eyes are flame of fire. That's what Daniel 10 talks about this figure having. His feet, his legs are bronze. That's also Daniel chapter 10. His voice is like rushing waters or multitudes. That's in Daniel 10. Who is this figure? Well, that's Jesus come to earth. That's Jesus tapping Daniel on the shoulder and saying, Daniel, I love you. Here's a vision of what I will do in the future. I'm going to make it all right. Jesus is the great warrior. Uh, Jesus is also filled with compassionate 
love for his people. Uh, Jesus has come to defeat our greatest enemies, sin and death. He's the great warrior. But the end of the Bible, if you just took what Daniel 10 to 12 said about Jesus, you would think that Jesus would come to the earth simply to conquer and destroy, to trample, destroy evil. But like every good author, there is a twist ending to it. It's not exactly what you would think, according to Daniel. And a twist ending that we don't quite see to the very end is this is that Jesus would indeed come as the great warrior to defeat the Antichrist, sin, and death. But what he doesn't tell you is that he would defeat sin and evil uh, in a very paradoxical way. Oswald Chambers, he, a uh, great devotional writer, he says the gospel is this. God defeats death and sin with a great crash, but that crash falls on the heart of God. And what we don't see quite coming, which might surprise you, is that Jesus, the great warrior, he takes and he suffers and he dies in our place. That crash falls on his heart. And what we see in Jesus is not just his power, but his love, his compassion. That in Jesus, uh, he would be the suffering servant, as Isaiah prophesied. Uh, one of the themes of Daniel is that great kingdoms and powers fall. Uh, great emperors fall. But the last man standing is this humble man, Daniel. All he has is prayer and visions. He's the last guy standing. Uh, Jesus would conquer the earth not through power, but through love, by laying down his life for his people. But on the third day, Jesus would be resurrected by the Father. And one day, Jesus is going to come back in power to judge the living and dead. And to usher us, his people, into his kingdom. That's powerful. So as we close the series and this sermon, what are some implications of that? And this is the final point. Living for the end. The last three chapters of Daniel, they were ultimately given to us to inspire us. To give us hope, to give us a vision for who we are and where we're going. I love uh, this this phrase. Probably one of my favorite things in Daniel happened in these these last few chapters. I love verse ten so much, and it's actually repeated by the man in linen. And what this figure says to Daniel is, "O oh man, greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you." He calls Daniel. Man greatly loved. You know, in the Hebrew, that word loved is actually not love, it's covet. It's the Hebrew word for covet. And what this man, who we know is Jesus, is saying to Daniel is, Daniel, you are so precious. You're like a precious treasure to God. You're like so precious, so beautiful that God himself covets you. That's how precious you are. You're so loved and so precious in the sight of God. God, sometimes in life when we go through some difficult times, we're tempted to think, God, you don't love me. God, why are you doing this to me? My life is so difficult. You know, Daniel could have been tempted to think like that. He he spent 70 years, almost his entire life as an exile, as a prisoner in Babylon. 
weeping, fasting, praying, facing temptation, being thrown to the lions. And it would have been easy for him to think, God, why don't you love me? Why don't you give me a good life? Why don't you bring me back home where I can be comfortable? Why do you hate me? Sometimes we can think like that. That's why God says to Daniel, Daniel, don't you know I love you? You're precious to me. I love you so much. And I want you to catch a vision for where you're going. And, and you're going to shine as bright as the, king, as the sun in my kingdom, Daniel. You know, we have to expect that in our life, it's going to be, our life is going to be full of struggle and trouble. This time of pandemic has brought us close to that idea, but we need to embrace it. Uh, throughout our life, we are going to have, think about Daniel, who was one of the most righteous men of all time. Yet his life was full of suffering, of pain, of weeping, of praying, of crying out to God from the beginning of his life to the end. Think about Jesus. His life was full of persecution and sufferings and the cross. All of Jesus' disciples died martyrs. All the early church suffered intense persecution. And it wasn't because God hated them. It's because God loved them. God was refining them. You know, if your life was good right now, if you had everything that you wanted in your life right now, everything, your life would be so comfortable that you just want to stay here, right where you are. You wouldn't desire heaven or the things to come. But hardships and persecution, what they remind us of is that this is not it. This is not my home. This is not my homeland. This is not my destination. God is reminding us through hardships to say, hey, Dennis, your destiny is still ahead. Your future is still ahead of you. Keep your eyes focused on what is to come. Let that be your hope and your inspiration. These current troubles are reminders, not of God's displeasure, but of his love. He taps you on the shoulder this morning, and he says, Oh, Daniel, oh, Dennis, you're greatly loved by God. You're precious. Remember your future destiny. I want to close this sermon and the series with the very last words of Daniel. What's the very last thing? It's in verse 13. This is what God says to Daniel, but go your way to the end and you shall rest and you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. He says, go your way, Daniel. Rest. You're going to rest. One day you're going to stand in the place that I have prepared for you. You know, it's interesting because we know that Daniel, when he enters uh, Babylon, he's a young man full of zeal in the spirit, fasting, not compromising. He's full of the spirit. He faced all kinds of challenges, conspirators. He faced down lions and kings. He, he outlasted a whole kingdom, the whole kingdom of Babylon. He outlasted every king, every nation. Daniel was the last guy standing. He outlasted all of those kings, an entire empire, He outlasted them all. How did he do that? Uh, Was it because Daniel had tremendous strength? Was he like David who slew Goliath with skill and strength? Daniel didn't have any of that. 
Uh, did Daniel outmaneuver everyone through political savvy and wisdom like Esther did? Was he politically savvy? No, we don't actually see any of that. What did Daniel have? Well, all Daniel had was patience and trust and leaning on God's wisdom. That's all Daniel had. And God says to you this morning, you know, all that I want you to do is to be faithful. Just wait on God. That doesn't mean you're passive. You pray like Daniel. You trust. You act and live with confidence. And the promise that God gives to us, if that, if that we patiently wait and trust and look to Christ, he says to us this morning, and I'll end with these last words, go your way till the end, and you will rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Father, I pray for all, all of your people this morning all who are weary or who are struggling, all those people who feel like they have their hopes dashed. And God, I pray, God, that you would comfort them and encourage them. You would speak to them these words, that they are precious in your sight. And these hardships are not given out of spite or hatred, but they are, they are tokens of your love how you are purifying us and you're getting us ready for the end. Help us to experience in these hard times your presence. That you, like you are with Daniel, tapping him on the shoulder, speaking words of love and affirmation and peace. Pray that you would be with us this morning. Tap us on the shoulder, God. Speak your words of encouragement and peace to us and help us to be a people filled with hope. Help us not get comfortable here, but await to stand with you at the end of days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.